folks, welcome back to MMA BJJ and Life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, coming to you from Laguna Niguel, California, where it is another special night on MMA BJJ and Life because we are going to have the aforementioned that I promised you the other day, um, the amazing, the incomparable um, Javier Showtime Vasquez. I'm so excited to, uh, to have Javi on uh, after... Uh, the world found out recently that Javi uh, was stricken with colon cancer, had uh, surgery to remove a significant section. Of, sorry about that with the music. Uh, that was Good Times, Bad Times by Led Zeppelin. Um, and sometimes good times are followed by bad times. And then the reverse of that also is true. And um, a music that took the world by storm that shocked the world there was no, never anything like that and here we have a young man in uh, Javier Vasquez who also I don't want to say he took the world by storm but he's basically impacted every part of combat sports in the modern era from the WEC which was a significant significant part of an infusion of a kind of dead UFC that was not all that interesting until you brought in a lot of these WEC fighters, not the least of which was Donald Cerrone and Dominic Cruz and Jose Aldo and Demetrius Johnson and many more that are still stars today. And among them was Javier Showtime Vasquez, some of the best defensive jiu-jitsu in all of MMA um, a well-rounded fighter, a fighter who who fought through, like, I think it was a broken leg or something like that, and he continued to fight. The guy is just an amazing guy, and the outpouring of love and support that came for Javier after he had, um, uh, the world found out that um, he was um, stricken with uh, colon cancer and that he was going to fight it, and, and there were photos taken by one of his friends, possibly one of his students from the academy, I'm not sure who took that photo of he and his mom and his sister, to see such a mighty young man in a hospital bed with, with you know, a, a gown on. It, it, it's just tough. It's very difficult for us because Javier is somebody that many, many people look up to, including uh, Professor Brent, who is going to be on with us tomorrow night when he talks in terms of Javi Vasquez, he's talking about um, somebody that he admires that's a legend around here. And Brent himself has a significant background. So um, he's really, really is something. And, and it, there's never enough, I never have enough time to get everything out of here. I mean, if you look at his, his um, you know, like his, his uh, Wikipedia page and you see that he was born in Santiago, Cuba, there's just so many things to talk to the guy about. He really is a, a fascinating guy. I mean, the guy was doing no-holes-barred matches in 1998. I mean, if you think about that, it was quite a long time ago and only, you know, five years after the first UFC. He's just he's just a, you know, he has his black belt under Carlson Gracie. He got a black belt under... Uh, I think the the uh, uh, I don't know if it was Henner Huron or Horian, but from that side of the family, a, after he married Rose, and then has uh, 
and then opened up his academy, which obviously there's some difficulty there now, and I hope that sooner rather than later he's able to clear that back up, and when his health allows and when his uh, the situation allows uh, legally that he can get back on the mat in teaching, because that's what a guy like that was born to do, was to innovate something like the way that he's innovated strike-based jiu-jitsu into uh, the Gracie curriculum, and to um, and to teach people and to share that and you have to have a lot of drive and a lot of passion and a lot of as he call you'll hear him call it in the interview um, OCD that he talks about that's the kind of drive that he's obsessive about being great at what he does so without further ado when we return none other than Javier Showtime Vasquez JJ in life. I'm your host TJ San Marco coming to you from Laguna Niguel, California. And that's usually what happens. The harder they come at uh, our next guest, the harder they fall. And of course, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, most people's favorite jiu-jitsu guy here in uh, California. And that is none other than Javier Showtime Vasquez, UFC, WEC, D-O-double-G from Rancho Cucamonga. How you doing, Javi? I'm good, DJ. How are you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> My intros. I try to make these intros as much fun as possible. So uh, I'm everybody's favorite jujitsu guy. That'd be, that's great, dude. There's so, you know you do you have any idea like when I go around Grace Baja headquarters? I think you actually got a message from my professor Felipe Della Monica. Um, okay. as, as well, but when you go around, like, do you have any idea, like, the reverence that everybody has for you? I am slowly starting to come to that realization. Um, I've always just kind of focused on what I was doing, and I wasn't really focusing on what was actually happening while I was doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So the the overwhelming support and love that people have shown me over the past several months in, 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 in so many ways, not just, you know, I mean, in so many different ways, you know, it's been, it's been truly overwhelming and humbling, you know. It's, it, it really is something. I mean, you, I mean, I think Brent, you know, illustrated it last time we had you on, and Brent is very steeped in, in the, the history of jiu-jitsu here in SoCal, and, you know, who were the big players from way back, and, and in fact, that the guy I had on the other night is a professor at Long Beach State, and I'm trying to get his title correct is nuts. I think I might have said it to you 
but he is like he wants to interview Brent, and Brent wants to interview you. So, and well, he wants to interview both of you. But if that gives you any idea of of you know sort of like the gravity, you're oh here he is the director for the Center of Sport Training and Research, associate professor of uh, motor control and learning. Like I can, I have to literally read that because I can't remember his damn title. And I train with the guy <laughs> yeah. three days a week, so. But I'm wow. sure you've run into a lot of guys like that where on off the mat you're freaked out by what they do, right? Um, not so much with me. I, I don't get that. I don't get like starstruck by like too many people or anything like that. You know, um, I remember like the first time I saw Holy Gracie, I, I thought that was really cool. I mean, if I've never met The Rock, but if I ever meet The Rock, that would be kind of cool. If I ever meet like Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair, that would be kind of cool, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever really met like somebody who like when I was a kid, I was idolizing and then I met them later on, you know? So um, it's, not, it's not starstruck, but it's like you train with guys and you don't know them off the mat and then you find out, wow, this person like does something really cool or they're super smart yeah. or, you know, on the mat, we're all just, you know, guys, you know, we don't know like what exactly. everybody does, you know? Exactly. No, that I definitely get, you know, or, you know, I've trained with people that are like, and you know what I'm saying? Like these crazy, super smart people or, you know, um, these crazy, super successful people or, and they're just like regular people. That's why. So I just treat, try to treat everyone pretty much the same because we're just all just regular people. So, um, and that's why I act with everybody the same, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I don't, I don't put myself above anybody. Yeah, that's the, I mean, I think you guys, I mean, professors, you know, it's what you guys that are successful do very well is everybody feels important equally when they go there and, you know, nobody, you don't feel like you're being slighted. Everybody sort of, you know, if you're there and you're, you're coming to train every week, you have the same respect as somebody who's a lot better than you or perhaps in the community has a greater gravity than you do off the mat. So that's. That's awesome. Um, first of all, before we get into uh, the questions, I want to ask uh, the initial questions. What if it, musically? What's on your iPod? If I check your phone, like for your music, what do you listen to? <laughs> uh, one of them probably won't be surprising. The other one probably will, except for the people that really know me. Um, I really, really like Bruno Mars. I think the guy is super talented. I think mm -hmm. the guy is a great musician. Um, and uh, I, that's been kind of like my new addiction. I kind of like get with something. And I just stick with it for a while and then I'll find something else. You know, that's just mm -hmm. kind of the way I am with music. Mm -hmm. um, I do like all kinds of different music, but for me to be on a playlist, there's, you know, I, I, like, I like certain playlists and stuff like that. The other one is... Um, Celine Dion. I really like Celine Dion. I've liked Celine Dion for, for many, many years. That's awesome. Mariah Carey as well, but most people think, you know, UFC fighter, he's definitely not listening to anything like that, but I've, I've listened to her since I was a teenager, so. Um, it doesn't really matter. So, uh, it's yeah. Whatever moves you, you know I mean? So, like, if, yeah. if you were a little older, Javier, that name might be Karen Carpenter from the Carpenters, somebody who grew up in L.A. But in your generation, hmm. you know, I could see where Celine Dion could have been, you know, Karen, well, Karen Carpenter, had she lived, unfortunately, she had bulimia and died young, but uh, her voice moves me, shoot, my mother listened to that, and like you, you know, a lot of, you know, what my mother listened to, my mother was 
big into Tito Puente, you know, and salsa. So I like salsa. My mother's into Fleetwood Mac, so I like Fleetwood Mac, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I feel you, man. So yeah, definitely. Whatever you've grown up with, I like Elvis. I, I grew up on Elvis, you know, and Elvis has has always been great too. So um, I mean, I like a variety of music. It's just right now that's that's kind of been. Uh, Bruno's been uplifting me, I guess you can say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to have conversations without uh, finding out what somebody likes in music. In fact, I had Kid Nate from Bloody Elbow on here. Do you know of Kid Nate? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had an entire podcast, never talked MMA once. It would, The whole thing was music. <laughs> His knowledge of music like is like tenfold to mine, just like classic rock and stuff like that so um that was really neat and, I, I i was i was uh when i was younger i liked uh, the hair the hair bands i like death leopard i like poison i like you know um motley crew um that's kind of what i grew up in with when i was a when i was a teenager um and then you know i always like celine dion i was i was like mariah carey um and then i kind of got into um Podcasts, I guess the podcast, and I got into Howard Stern, I got into Tom Likas, and I got into uh, and Frank, and I got into you know, all these personalities, the radio personalities, all the personalities, national. But, um, but um, I got into talk radio for a long time, and Hobby. then I kind of. Oh, you're back! You're back! Keep keep talking! Keep talking! You're back! Go ahead. <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah so i mean when when uh when i got married um you know i listened to a lot of a lot of brazilian music and i think mm-hmm. brazilian music is really cool so um so yeah i mean and, and now i'm kind of coming back to the stuff i like you man you're totally the international man aren't you like half mexican half cuban no i'm no? full cuban I was you're born full there. cuban i must be thinking yeah, of ricardo lamas ricardo yeah. lamas is the guy that's um, his mom is Mexican. He might be half and half. His dad's Cuban, so yeah. So all Puerto right. Rican. I think I think they're Puerto Rican. Oh, is that right? I think see, Ricardo. I'm not sure because I, I know Ricardo a little bit, but for sure he's Cuban. He might be Cuban. He might just be Cuban. Okay. All right. I thought he had Cuban. the double-sided flag, but I could be wrong. So I'll have to see his walkout again. Uh, maybe. I know somebody yeah, who yeah, doesn't yeah. want to see his walkout. That dude, that dude from Mississippi, man, he mauled that guy in the in the last round, man. That was brutal, man. So, um, all right, let me let me get a little bit of an update on you. How are you feeling? What is the status right now of your health treatment, Javi? Okay, so um, uh, I had surgery. Uh, I believe it was July. It was either 15th or 23rd, somewhere in that neighborhood. I had surgery um, to remove uh, a foot of my colon that was basically infected with colon cancer. Um, so it was stage 3C, which is pretty, pretty not good. Mm-hmm. It uh, basically started, it got into my lymph nodes, so it basically entered my bloodstream. But uh, there's no trace of it anywhere else, so it didn't it didn't spread or mature yet. So it's not in my kidneys, it's not in my liver, nothing like that. Lungs, I'm all good. Mm-hmm. So um, my options were basically um, to do chemo for six months, and um, that would have dropped my chance of it reoccurring 
40%. That means 60% that it was going to come back. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't like those numbers. I, I thought they were ridiculous, quite frankly. The 60% um, I felt number. That, um, that uh, what was that? The 60% is the part you didn't like. You wanted that? something that was more sure. Hello? Hello? Javi? Yeah, like 90. Yeah. <laughs> or, or 95. Or yeah, 100. exactly. Yeah. yeah. How about that one? Yeah. So, Hey, Javi, let me try to reconnect with you real quick. Of my favorite I'm happy with. Uh, We're going to try to reconnect with Javi. We've got a terrible connection. So let me let me try to get him back and see what we can do here. Let's see. Mr. Vasquez. Hello? Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds great now. Okay, please continue. So we were talking percentages. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Hello? Yep, I can hear you. Okay, okay. Um, so let me, I just switched my phone. So I can go outside because the, the reception in my house is terrible. So okay. let me go outside so that it doesn't cut out. All right, it's, sometimes it's good, sometimes, usually it's not. So I'm going to have to step outside. I hear you pretty good. So. No, because no, I'm stuck because I'm walking outside. Okay. <laughs> That's why you're listening to me good. You probably hear me great right now. Yes. Because I'm outside. Because oh, I'm outside. Okay. So, um, what do you want? So you you left off on percentages, and we were talking about chemo. Like we, at least what we've been, what we thought around the academy was that you were going to be going and getting chemo as your next step. Hello, Hav, are you there? Okay, I got you. I can hear you again. So, 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 the, so the problem, you know, I, I and that's that was the good step. Um, and then I got a hold of those numbers, and I was like, this is not good because because I looked at it long term wise. Okay, I'm going to put in six months of chemo. It's going to jack me up. It's going to jack up my kidneys. It's going to jack up my liver. It's going to jack up my entire body. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do jujitsu and teach and live the lifestyle I want to live if I get killed with chemo. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I looked at it. I go, look, I'm willing to take a chance if, if the percentages were better, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'll supplement it with proper nutrition throughout the chemo process. So I'm at least eating right and doing the proper nutrition. So it doesn't affect me as much as I could. But when I got the 40% number, I was like, dude, no way. Mm-hmm. there's got to be another way and when I was fighting I, I did a lot of research on nutrition so I came across um, a guy whose name is Max Gerson who, who, who basically was curing cancer from the 1910s he has records of him curing people with stage 4 cancers in the 1910s why nobody knows who he is is um, that's, a, that's a different subject mm-hmm. but this guy created a diet and a regimen it's a regimen, dude. It's a regimen. It's an eight-hour day dietary commitment. That's what that. That's what I'm going to be doing is. So, um, but at the end of it, I'm going to be getting rid of basically detoxing my entire body and letting my body's natural healing mechanism kick in with the proper nutrition 
and my body will heal itself. I'm very, very confident because I've done the research and the results that this guy has, has produced are, are outstanding. They're, they're, there's nobody else that's doing what he's doing. So I came across this diet when I was just studying for fights. I go, wow, that is crazy. So the second I got diagnosed, the first thing I did was start doing more thorough research on diet because I had a feeling that I was going to have to go on it. And as I done my research, it, it was it was so obvious to me that this option was by far the best option. And having to do chemo was just everything was telling me not to do it. Mm-hmm. Everything was telling me that I had to prove not only to myself, but to everybody else that what this guy has done is real. And, ed- and educate people, you know. So when the jiu-jitsu community came to my my aid, um, basically, it has allowed me to be able to show people and talk about this this particular therapy that I have chosen, and I'm putting my life on it, that it's going to work. And um, I wanted to document the good and the bad. And, you know, I, I, I truly be- believe that it's going to be a good thing. I don't think that... Um, it's going to be terminal for me or anything like that. I hope to be around a very, very long time. Um, I have great discipline. I, I can stick to a diet and, and and I can stick to a lifestyle if my life depends on it. So that's what I'm choosing to do. I'm going to get the information from you on it because I'm a candidate. Although I did have my colonoscopy in like May and it was clear mm-hmm. um, because my mother died of it, you know, 22 years ago or whatever it was. I'm certainly a candidate for, for cancer, mm-hmm. so I I want to find out about that because I'm I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. I like holistic kind of methods rather than uh, these things that that poison you and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm I mean, glad to hear that. Yeah, the whole the whole you know the whole medical field. You know, I can get into it, but it's it's just it's it's not there to save lives. It's there to keep you alive and hooked on drugs. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. My I, opinion. I, I, I have had doctors try to get me on things, and I'm like, no, you know, I don't want to do that. So I, I know what yeah. you mean. Um, you should have heard. You should have heard my doctor when I told him I wasn't taking chemo. He called me right up. Hey, buddy, well, why are you doing that? And then he starts, well, you could die. You could die. And I'm like, look, dude, I've done my research. You putting that poison inside of me is not. And then, and then he starts arguing with me about about it being poison. I'm like, are you trying to tell me that chemo's not poison? I mean, you're not having this argument with me, right? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, that you're, you're arguing with me. I'm all, it's a, it is a poison. You're telling me... It was, it was mind-blowing, you know? And, there, and, you know, I had another incident with one of the staff that the lady's basically telling me, yeah, go ahead, drink alcohol, do whatever you want. You don't have to change your diet when you're on chemo. And I'm looking at her like, <laughs> are you crazy? Like, seriously, these are the people that are advising me on my health? I'm like, look, dude, I'll, I'll do the research. I'm going to figure it out by myself. <laughs> and no joke. I, I, I was so um, just stunned <laughs> at that, what they were telling me. I was just kind of like, wow. They have to realize that you own the title of fighter for a reason, which means that you don't just – oh, thank you for that link. They don't just take uh, what everybody says at face value. So that's that's a good thing. Um, I'm interested, has the UFC contacted you with any help? And I asked that because they helped like Mike Miller and people like that. And I'm curious. No, no. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I haven't, you know, I haven't fought with the UFCs for, you know, since 2011. I mean, there's no, 
reason why they would want to contact me. Well, you know, I, you know maybe if Lorenzo and those guys were still there, but this new management is a whole other ball game. So. Um, yeah, no, I mean, listen, the UFC is doing what the UFC is doing. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't work for them anymore, and and um, <laughs> happy not to. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure your brain's probably happier as well. Um, I want to ask um, uh, the with the combat jiu-jitsu tournament that. I realize you're not going to fight in this one in November. That but... killed me, man. That killed me. That killed me. I was like, dude, maybe I could do it while I'm doing it team of my probably would. Are you insane? I'm like, dude, I think I could still do it. I think I could still do it. I think if I eat right and I train, I can still do it. People thought I was nuts, and I'm like, yeah, because I wanted to do it. But, I mean, timing is everything, my friend. So not this one. When the right one comes, people won't know. So because you, we'll were the, you were the favorite going into that. Um, every, once you found, once people found out that you were going to enter into that, that kind of blew up the bracket because all of a sudden, you know, here comes Javier with a style that's perfectly suited to this. Yeah, it's tailor-made. Yeah. But you know, listen, I'm going to let everybody else try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then when I make my mark, I'll make my mark, you know? And, and like I said, I'm 41 now. So it's like, it's not like I'm 20. Yeah, you know? true. So, I mean... It, We'll see how I feel. We'll see. I just, you know, I just, I just had surgery. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, in, in my mind, I was going to do it no matter what. And they were, but no, I, no, I, I just have too many, I have uh, not just my health issues, but just my whole lifestyle and everything that's going on. I'm, I'm I think it's better for me to just focus on myself and resting and, and yeah, like, just you like know. next year, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I've spoken, I've spoken with Eddie and he basically told me, you let me know when you're ready and, and that's it, you know. So, with uh, I'm not concerned with anything. <laughs> with Gary going in it, how do you feel about Gary and his chances in the tournament? If him with him in it, I think it's good. I think it's. I think he's gonna do. I think he's gonna do fine. I mean, those guys are really good. They're they're really smart. Um, I don't think he's gonna be doing anything like what I'm what I do, but. Um, uh, he, he's very, he's very young. So, I mean, he's, only, he's got, you know, if anybody's going to be amazing at it, it's going to be him, of course. Yeah. yeah it'll be interesting. Cause he, he hasn't been hit in the face while he's doing jujitsu yet that we know of, you know, that we know. Exactly. Of. That you know of, I mean, but you got to understand that those guys aren't going to put somebody in that doesn't understand what's going on. But, you know, I, I understand the overall level of, of where guys are at with this. I understand the overall, uh, uh, limitations and lack of understanding of, of bunkers and things of that nature. So, I mean, they're going to be good at at a very almost primitive self for, 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 from what I've seen so far. Um, what people are doing is what people do everywhere, and it's all bad. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just a good version of bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I, I watch people fight, and I just had a discussion with somebody the other day. It's like, is there anybody that's doing what you're doing? I'm like, for sure, definitely not. They're not doing what I'm doing. There's some guys that understand some of the concepts, but not as a whole. They don't have they don't have the full understanding of they don't have a full grasp of the entire system. But um, I mean, so guys do some things well, but they're very very limited. They kind of people generally fighters try to stay in a in a relatively small box. These are the moves that we do. Let's just get really really good at those, and they don't generally, you know. Good ground and pound or good punch defense is not really covered because people don't want to be getting hit to begin with. But but they don't really understand that 
there is a systematic way where you're not going to get hit. And if you're fighting for certain things at, the, at certain times, you're cool. You're cool. So, um, but people, you know, don't know how to train it because they start rifling shots hard at, at each other and, and people just freak out and get up. You know what I mean? They don't take the time. It's like learning punch defense from bottom of the mount. Nobody wants to be mounted and nobody wants to be mounted when you can get hit. So how many people are actually spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours mounted while people are hitting them? Mm-hmm. Nobody, because it's not an enjoyable thing. I think it's fun as hell, but because <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's super fun. To me, it's super fun, but but um, challenging, but fun. But uh, people don't spend the hours, you know, so. <laughs> I, You know, I believe in your system. I, I think I've probably told you before, I'm very good friends with Jussier Formiga, the 125-pounder in the UFC, and the one person I've wanted him to train with for his jiu-jitsu is you because he consistently because of the style he grew up in he consistently gets beat up from the bottom he's primarily a top control player and he gets beat up from the bottom and he really has no ground and pound and i was like man you should train with javier and and um you know now at least he's moved out of brazil at least he's uh here in the states training at power mma so you know it's, Arizona Power MMA is where Arizona. Yeah, that's with Bader. It uh, Bader's Bader, yeah, camp. Yeah, yeah. Bader and uh, what's his name? CB Dalloway. CB Dalloway. Yeah. He and Barral are both there, or Barral as the uh, Brazilians say it. They are both at Power MMA because their coach Jair Lorenzo from the north of Brazil, not Pedneiras, but from the north, he was hired as head coach at Power MMA. So now he's bringing up several guys but the best part of it is they're not at Novanyal and that's all I care about because they're you're bound to get a little better once you're out of there so those uh, guys are really really good what, what do you mean by that you, you think that by being well, bound to Novanyal that they were limited I do um for a lot of reasons from talking to I'm very good friends with Claudia I'm good friends with Barra I'm good friends with Jussier they weren't even trained they're not even training elbows I mean how could it be 2016 and people aren't training elbows. Like, that's crazy to me. Um, they There's so many things. They didn't bring in, like, for instance, Claudia had to pay for her own coaches, you know, pay 10% to Pedneris, and then she had to pay her own striking coach, her own conditioning coach, you know, and they're basically in one little room at the top of an academy. They're not uh, improving guys. They're not bringing in, they're not making anybody better. Basically, they took, you know, Aldo and Barral and Formiga and Claudia, some great fighters, and really didn't make him any better. Their cardio sucked. Their weight mm-hmm. cutting sucked. I saw Formiga yeah. nearly die in a hotel room in Minneapolis. Actually, TJ was there that night um, as well. He wasn't in the room with me, but I saw him and we spoke at the hotel. So I saw them give for, uh, Formiga like four bags of IV fluid for a 125 pound guy. <laughs> and Dotson's down in the lobby laughing and joking and taking photos with fans. And I go upstairs and Formiga looks like he's going to die laying on the floor. So yeah. I, I just saw, I just had enough of, of Pedneris and Novanya. And then you just saw Aldo get his ass kicked by a guy with, and, and he just went out there and tried to box with a guy when he's the, one of the best leg kickers in MMA. So, yeah. Hey, listen, yeah, some valid arguments, some valid arguments, but, I mean, I thought for a while that they were producing some really good guys, but yeah, you haven't seen a shift. I mean, but but who's shifting? Who's really shifting? The camps look at guys look the same from fight to fight. The, look at TJ. The guys, 
Dillashaw? Look, yeah, yeah look, look at, at what TJ was going on the Ultimate Fighter and then coming off to the Ultimate Fighter. Well, yeah, and yeah, yeah. He's, he's improved. I mean, but, but okay, so that's one guy. You know, Demetrius Johnson's improved a ton over the years. A ton. There's, into, there, there's guys that are improving, but. You know, they're not at these powerhouse gyms. Matt Hume works with DJ, and, and, and Dillashaw was going to get good, and he just happened to click with Dwayne, and, and I clicked with Dwayne, too. Dwayne's system is, you know, I liked it. You know, when I was training with Dwayne many, many years ago, I'm like, dude, this guy, he made striking made sense to me. You know, so, so I, I get, I when, when DJ, when um, TJ went with, with Dwayne, I'm like, dude, I totally get the click because, you know, the system works so well. It's such a simplistic way to, to teach striking, and, and Dwayne's got all kinds of little tricks, you know. So I get that, but and you said has, has, has his jujitsu got any better? Well, I don't here's see what's him interesting: and mounting you, and taking you, the back and finishing. You know, I see do you know him where he's becoming training? a good stand-up fighter. Do you know where he's training his jujitsu now? Uh, no, I have no clue. He's training with the same academy I'm training at at Gracie Baja and Irvine. I spoke. I was telling you, my professor, I think, messaged you, Felipe Dillon. He's the same guy that trains Dos Anjos, Rafael Dos Anjos. And mm-hmm. he did some training as well with um, um, ben, Benil Dariush as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So now he's got TJ there. Aldo was there while Aldo was uh, doing boxing up kind of near you in Riverside. And Aldo oh, okay. was coming down and doing it. And, and even uh, Claudia trained with him a little bit when he was out in Albuquerque for a seminar. So a- anyway, TJ's really try- – he's training in the gi and he knows you know that he wants to fix – or make improve a part of his game that he knows for sure Cody isn't because he knows that Cody is just doing no gi with whoever they have over a team alpha male. Look, I mean, um, the subtleties of, of, of no gi, I, I'm starting to, you know, I, I think the gi brings some positive elements into the game. It slows things down. So things make a little bit more sense. Um, I, I get it, but the gi I feel has a lot of limitations. I think, I think overall the gi game with the amount of grips that people mm-hmm. have, um, it, it completely changes everything. So, I mean, when, when I train with the gi, I don't grab the sleeves. I, I might grab the collars just for chokes, but I don't grab the sleeve. I don't, I don't grab the collar. I'm basically working a no-gi style mm-hmm. um, with the gi on just for the friction aspect of it, you know, mm-hmm. the difficulty, the control. But you can be training in the gi, but the, the gi isn't teaching you how to block punches. The gi is not teaching you how to hit setups off of punches. The gi is not teaching you any of that. So yeah. when people tell me, oh, he's training in the gi, I look at a guy and go, okay, if he wants to win the world championships or he wants to kind of understand how to grapple in a, in a fight with, with clothes on, wonderful. But if you're training in a gi for MMA and you're training the wrong system, it's like it's like you're driving a Ferrari and then you're putting freaking, you know, the wrong fuel, whatever. Ever, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it makes no sense. The combination doesn't make sense. Now, if he's training in a gi, in a no-gi specific style, where he's blocking punches and doing that, sure, the gi can add another element of problem. And then you take the gi off, and then it changes the dynamics slightly because of the slipperiness and the ability to catch certain things and, and not others, and vice versa. Yeah, but if you're, if you're going in a gi, and you're teaching the guy to grab the sleeve, and grab the collar, and wrap, and loop, and do all these things, that's not helping his MMA mm-hmm. at all. Yep. <laughs> so... And Felipe, and Felipe did uh, bring that up, and he told us that. He's like, if you're going to do some of these techniques, you have to do them sparingly because guys that depend on that. And he actually spoke about that. And he's yeah. doing gi and no gi with, um, with um, uh, TJ. But what, I'm, uh, what I would I'd like to say, and you're talking to a scrub blue belt here, to bear in mind, a three-stripe scrub blue belt. But <laughs> I, met a, <laughs> I met a fighter several years ago 
when I was hanging around Jackson starting my podcast back, it's probably like seven years ago now, and there was a guy who trained under Hoist Gracie named B.B. Wood, who was a Jackson's guy. And I asked B.B., I watched him uh, use his jiu-jitsu in the cage and, and was very impressive. And I said, what do you get? I didn't understand. What do you get out of training with a gi? Like if you're an MMA, why do you even need to train in the gi? And what's the, what's the difference? And he said, the only thing I can tell you is that mistakes that I make, I can't, let me see if I say this correctly. You can't make certain mistakes in the gi that you can make in no gi and get out of mm-hmm. it. So yep. it gives me a certain discipline that I can then apply to no gi. And I'm paraphrasing. And that yeah. made sense to me. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's one way to look at it. Um, the, other, the other thing is, 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 the, is the, sh- the sheer mental um, relaxation that you get because you don't have to worry about as many things. Without the what you need to worry about is punch trajectory and stuff like that, which is a different problem in and of itself. But you don't have to worry about the ten million different ways that a guy's going to grab your gi. It's a little bit more uh, restrictive. It's a smaller sandbox of moves. So when you're used to dealing with a thousand moves being thrown at you from side mount, and then when you take the gi off and you only have to be worried about five hundred, all of a sudden your your relaxation level goes goes way up, which means you're conserving energy. And so that's another way to look at it as well. Um, the other the other aspect is, is the claustrophobia aspect of not being able to breathe in the gi. You're underneath somebody. It's you're sweating. That 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 mental <laughs> that extra mental um, anguish that that's caused, especially when it's in a hot room, mm-hmm. with no fans or windows, and you know, and you just start getting suffocated. That's another mental aspect that's 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 good in the gi because it changes your mind to learn how to survive, learn how to breathe, get to a comfortable spot, and then that's just it just adds another element of difficulty. You know, the heat. So I get it, but like like I said, I mean. I don't see very many guys understanding how to truly do damage on the ground. Some guys do decent. They throw straight shots. They're faster, strong, explosive. But there is, there is no question there is a path. There's a definite path that, that you can generate good power, have good balance, and be able to, from the top, be able to pass consistently or at the very least get to quarter guard or half guard and just put an ass whooping on people from there until they start to try and sweep and then you can pass or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there's definitely a path. And then from the bottom, there's an absolute path. There's an absolute path uh, broken up into five stages, you know, five, five basic positions. And understanding each position in depth, I mean, there's a definite, there's a definite pattern. It doesn't matter if the guy's standing up. Who cares? It, 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 it's irrelevant what the guy does on top because he's not going to hit me because he's not going to be able to rifle the shots off because of the base disruptions, because of the angle, because of the hand control, because of the posture control, the posture management. I mean, it's not just posture control. That's one aspect of it. There's a variety of, of, of things that are done from the bottom to, to not get hit. And, and, and holding on to posture, if anything, most of the time gets you more of an ass whooping than, than just letting go and, and filling space. Hmm. That's interesting. So you're on the bottom, and you're not trying to control their posture. Ah, um, ah, okay. That's not that's not what I said. Okay. If I if I can control their posture, uh-huh. wonderful. If I can control the posture, create an angle, go to rubber guard, or or, or go to a modified one point five stage one point five where I'm off to the side, I'm off angle. Yeah, cool, dude. If I can control posture, that's great. But I'm not depending my life on that because some guys, guess what? You're not going to be able to hold posture. Mm-hmm. They're going to posture no matter what. But the problem is the people just, once they disconnect from the head, they're just completely lost in space. They don't know what to do. They just bring their hands up. That's all people do. 
and, and they don't understand that once you release posture, you need to fill space. And once you fill space, you're cool again. But people don't understand that concept. So that's the problem. I, listen, if I can get people to rubber guard mission control and then work from there and elbow and hit and swim the hand to the ground and work, yeah, great. If I can, if, again, if I can create an off angle, go, establish a two-on-one on his arm, boom, clear my knee over the shoulder, work the triangle, work the omoplata, work the kimura, great. That's if you can keep his head down. What, what happens if you can and keep popping his head up and postures and driving his hips in you? What do you do then? There's, a, there's, there's solutions to every single problem. But people, I'm not seeing people that are doing, that, that have figured that out. I've never seen it. Because I just watched UFC fight last night, the one in Rottenburg or Nottenburg or wherever it was. Yeah, Rotterdam. Rotterdam, Rotterdam. And, and, and again, I watch people fight. I just go, they're not even close. I mean, it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, they have no clue. And these people are fighting in the UFC. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they just have no idea of what they're doing off their back. Like, they truly have no path to safety. <laughs> it's funny. The voice you're listening to right there is that of Javier Showtime Vasquez on Twitter. He is at Javier Showtime. Um, you guys know him from the UFC, the WEC, from EBI, from the Gracie Worlds, and IBJJF, and basically everything else. Abu Dhabi? Have you yeah. done? Uh, <laughs> I won the Abu Dhabi trials in 2005. There you go. So, all right, we are going to take a quick break on MMA, BJJ, and life. I'm DJ San Marco. That's Javier Vasquez. We'll be right back on MMA, BJJ, and life. Back to MMA, BJJ, and life. I'm your host, TJ San Marco, along. And you know, if we're playing Cuban music here on the show, you have to know it's a very special individual that's on the line, and none other than uh, uh, a professor of note, a combat athlete of note, fighter of note, and a guy who's going through a little bit of a rough time, but uh, usually he kicks ass on whatever the rough time is, and uh, and will do so again. That is none other than Javier Showtime Vasquez. So, uh, do you like Celia Cruz a little bit, Javier? Yeah. Listen, I'm getting reconnected to my roots, so I, I re- just reconnected with a with brother of mine that, that I haven't seen in a very, very long time, so listen, I gotta, I gotta go back to my my people. <laughs> <laughs> Your people, man. You got to go down to Little Havana and Calle Ocho and, uh, <laughs> you know, get a Cuban coffee, go to Cafe Versailles, you know, all that stuff. So Yeah, right? <laughs> one of my favorite, <laughs> I love it. One of my favorite places uh, that I've been to in the world that me and Katiani still talk about is going down to Calle Ocho and Little Havana. It's just such an unbelievable experience for any Latino and even for a meat-headed white guy like myself, I just, I love it. So, um, I will never go to Miami without going to Cayocho. So, 
Yeah, I have some family down there. I got to go visit them. I haven't been down to Miami in years. Oh, you got to go to Miami, man. You and Romero hang out, have a Cuban coffee, have a juice, right? Yeah. Yo Yoel flexes traps at you and stuff like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. Let me uh, hit up a little bit of news. I just want to get your thoughts on a couple things that have happened uh, and just do some quick hitters on that. Like I'll say something and give me your thoughts on it and I'll move on to something else. Um, the big, And I'm wondering what you thought about this because as it was going on around us, the biggest thing that's happened in combat sports in quite some time, and I know you're sort of adept at both these things, at boxing and MMA. So the Mayweather-McGregor happened... Um, what are your thoughts on that? Come on, the thoughts going into the fight and coming out of the fight. Well, I, you know, I, 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 I took it for what it was. I had a, I had a fun time with it. The lead up was interesting. Some parts are good, some parts are bad, but they did a hell of a job, you know, trying to promote it. Um, I think, uh, I think it was fun. Everybody was anticipating it. You didn't know what to expect. Um, I thought the fight was fun the way it played out. Floyd's uh, game plan, Connor's game plan. I thought the whole thing was was. I had fun with it. He did well, right? Did you think? I thought yeah, he did pretty I thought well. He did great. Yeah, I thought he did great. You know, I mean, people that don't understand what going to twelve rounds is, and what Mayweather did was, as the rounds went on, he pressured more and more and more and more, and it just gassed him. Connor, Connor couldn't conserve. He couldn't. You know, he didn't fight him like a like a like a like a boxer boxers mm -hmm. yeah you want to walk forward they tie you up you break it so if you keep constantly tying a guy up it's going to force him to stop walking india instead connor kept moving back hitting and he exhausted himself which i mean you can do some of that but when you realize that it's not working you got to make an adjustment connor wasn't making the adjustments and floyd was so i mean that's kind of the way i looked at it and i thought that the suspicion was that Connor would get tired in the later rounds. He's not used to going that, that deep in, into into a boxing only match. So, um, I mean, the guy's smart. Mayweather fought him smart. Yeah, I thought it was a brilliant game plan on his part, um, and and I thought Connor did the best with what he could do with like a three month camp and you know yeah. not having a boxing trainer. Nobody lost. Nobody, Nobody lost. lost. Yeah, that's Nobody lost. There was so much hyperbole on both sides that that people wouldn't say that you were either for or against and it was so colored and it really didn't need to be you know it just i thought i thought both guys did well you know connor showed himself pretty well for what he was he didn't look like an imbecile that didn't belong in there no, uh, but he, he didn't go he didn't blow him away with his power like he probably thought he would either you know yeah listen things played out the way they played out I had fun with it. You know, it, was, yeah. it was an event. It was something to look forward to. It was something that people wanted to see. I mean, how, what was the last UFC fight that, 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 that did that for you? I mean, some people say, I wasn't that into Joe and Cormier. I mean, no, I think no it's a good fight and everything, but I wasn't like, oh, my God, I no. got to watch that fight. You know what I mean? Hav, it was it was going to be Khabib and Ferguson. That was the yep. fight that was going to do it for me, one. and then it didn't happen. And then it didn't happen, so... That, that, that was a great one for me, too. I, I was waiting to see uh, how that one would turn out, too, but it didn't happen. Okay, uh, I want to throw this at you. The Pauli Malignaggi story, he comes in from New York. He thinks that he's going to advise and help Connor strategize. He's kind of digging it. He comes into town, and they tell him the next morning, oh, you're going to do eight rounds of sparring today. 
guy who yeah. hasn't trained in four or five months, been retired four or five months, not in the gym every day, being expected to do that. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are it could go two ways. And, 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 and what I'm seeing is I think that Connor makes decisions on uh, as things are presented in front of him. I think when Paulie, uh, I'm not sure who reached out to who, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, and I might be wrong, that Paulie maybe reached out to Connor or maybe they ran into each other. Maybe he offered his help. Mm-hmm. And Connor said, okay, well, Connor has already said that you're not going to come into his camp and just be part of his crew. He's already, he said that in interviews. He's, you know, he's very tight-knit with his guys. They go way back. And to, in order to get in with his crew, it's, it's difficult. Difficult for him to trust you. And I think that um, maybe he knew something about Paulie that maybe I don't know because I don't po- follow boxing all that much. Even though mm-hmm. I do enjoy it, I'm not, I'm not following climbing for boxing matches, you know. Um, maybe he knew that he was going to react that way. And I kind of think he got set up. I kind of think that Paulie got set up. But, I mean, to see that, to have that kind of foresight is difficult, to, uh, I think, you know, because when, when he posted the picture... Paulie lost it, and that, the second that Paulie lost it, all he's doing is helping promote the fight. That's true. Another storyline for the fight. Now, did I think that? Did I, do I think that Connor was surprised by how much it was? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think he got set up. I think I think that that Connor knew what he was going to use him for, and and he orchestrated a game plan. I think I think it worked out the way he wanted. Or you can just say, well, he really went in there with good intentions, which I think I really think he did, mm-hmm. and things just happened the way they happened. But I, I kind of have a feeling that's kind of smarter than that, and I kind of have a feeling they set him up. But I, I don't have any insight to it. I just that's just kind of my gut opinion. And of all the dumb and overly hyperbolic points that Brendan Schaub made throughout the entire buildup and even post-fight, one thing I thought he said that had a lot of merit. And, and I mean, if not one, maybe two things he said in the entire time had a lot of merit. One of them was that, you know what, if you're Paulie and you go in there and they say you're going eight rounds, say, you know what, I'll give you a three, two to four round, and that's it. And that's yeah. that's what I'm giving you today. You can have yeah. your other partners do the rest, but but he let his manhood get the best of him. Yeah. And, exactly. Okay. So, because yeah. then I mean, the next time he I, did 12 I, rounds. Yeah, I mean, but that's his choice. I mean, right. nobody told him. I would have told him, I'm not going to do 12 rounds. I'll do six. You know what I mean? Or, that, four, that's or four. You know, the, the, or four, whatever you feel like you can do. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I mean. He let his pride get to him, and, and that's, you know. Yeah, he's saying, well, I could do 12. You know what I mean? I've done 12. I, you know, I'm out of shape. But I think I could do 12. Yeah, you right. Know, and then the next thing you know, they're capturing everything on film, and, and, and and you're tired because you're not, you know, you got your flight and, you're, and, and you haven't done 12 rounds in a long time. And then they ca- he catches you, kind of beating you up a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, he's killing you. Yeah, I mean, man, that's why people don't post video of them training because, believe me, everyone gets their ass whooped in, a, in the room. And that's why you have multiple <laughs> sparring partners. I mean, yeah. You know? Everybody, everybody, everybody in the room, the John Joneses, the Connors, the everybody's, everybody if they're training with tough people are getting their ass whooped at one discipline or the other. Mm-hmm. Nobody wins every second of every round in the room. Not with that one. Not when you have a bunch of really good dudes in there. No, no. way. 
Sometimes you're you have not a bad day, better. sometimes you have a good day. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, it's not about getting better. Sometimes it's just about, you know, how are you recovering in between these workouts? And sometimes you just feel like crap. That's just what it is. So not every, not John Jones does not win every second of every round, especially when they're dogpiling, especially when they're putting a fresh guy in. Right. If he does, amazing. But, I, I, you know. I doubt he does, yeah. I, everybody gets their ass whooped. Yeah. Everybody gets their ass whooped. Um, people are clamoring for McGregor Diaz three, um, which I think, just to me, DJ, I think is nuts for a number of reasons. One, the belt, the title hasn't moved since he won it in like November, and he's busy making a lot of money. He's busy making a lot of money. So if he comes back and he's not lining up a fight with either Khabib. Or the winner of Ferguson and Lee, what it? Well, I'll ask your opinion. Who do you want to see him come back and fight for the UFC? Um, that's a trick question because I want to see Connor do well. I like Connor. I think Connor sure. is a breath of fresh, fresh, breath of fresh air, um, and he's going to go down as one of the most pivotal, important people in MMA history. Um, there's no question about it. And um, if you want to see him lose or potentially lose or get beat up or have a very, very tough fight, you can put him with a guy like Khabib. Um, I, I don't think Ferguson's got the takedown ability or the striking ability to, to hurt Connor. Interesting. But if, he can, but if he can get Connor down, Tony's an anaconda. If he, if he can get him down, I think, I think he's got a better shot of, of beating him. But him standing with Connor, I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. Connor fights at range. Um, um, very very well. Tony's good, but he's he's not the greatest at closing range on a on a taller guy. Um, but Tony has his strengths. He doesn't quit. He comes in amazing shape, and that's where he can beat Connor is in, is in the fourth and fifth rounds. You know, pushing really hard pace. But he's got to get him. He's got to get him to work. And and him sitting on the outside is going to be difficult. Khabib can get him down, but it's the same thing. How, can he finish him in the first couple of rounds? Because I think he, in the long haul. Khabib is going to fade. I kind of have that feeling. Um, and, and he's very hittable. He doesn't move his head. Mm -mm. Uh, he walks straight forward. He doesn't cut angles. He, he, he's very robotic with his striking. So um, it, it, it's a great matchup. I want to see my boy Nate get paid. So I'm rooting, you know, if Nate gets paid, I'm happy. I'm I'm happy I, it's so, and it's the fight that makes the most amount of sense financially. So if you want to prolong Connor's career, you give him Nate. Then you have Ferguson and Khabib fight, or Ferguson's fighting now. Uh, Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee. Yep. And apparently Kevin Lee's supposed to be pretty good. I got to yeah. go back and do some research on him. But Legit. You know, yeah, if, if, if Kevin Lee beats Ferguson, who the hell is Kevin Lee? So now you got Connor against Kevin Lee. It's like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you see what I'm saying? You've yeah. got to look at the matchmaking. It makes more sense financially. Financially, I'm just but, talking straight money. Yeah, but we got to have a, a belt. we got to have a ranking system here. Like, remember well, when did, you used to be did, a part did, of a ranking did. system? Do you remember that? Did, yeah, did. But, but, but <laughs> you you, you got to understand, and and I clearly understand. I'm clearly understanding something that I should have understood when I was fighting, and it was the same back then because they were doing. The, believe me. There was a lot of people that I wanted to fight that they weren't letting me fight. There was a lot of them. Like Faber? Had, <laughs> there was a lot of people yeah. that, that I wanted to fight back in the day. Uh, and I would have loved to fight Faber. 
But um, and I respect the guy a lot, and I would have loved to to, to to compete against him. But but there's a lot of guys that I put names out there, and they were giving them to me because it made no sense to give them to me. Because chances are, if I beat them, now I'm an older dude. Not you know how long you know I've had injuries, so I, I started looking at it that way. And the second you start accepting the truth, look the 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 way that you manage the, the way Connor's going to manage his career because the UFC is no longer managing his career. He's managing his career. He's oh, yeah. going to probably come back and fight Nate for the belt. Um, if he beats Nate, Ferguson's going to fight a number one contender. If he beats Nate, um, uh, so you think basically you think road. he'll make Tony? You think they'll make Tony Connor if Tony beats Lee, and mm-hmm. and and obviously if if Connor beats Nate, yep. th- then you think Connor I gets think Tony. I think that's a- I think yeah, that's if Con- that's if Tony gets past gets past uh, Lee, who's a who, who's a crazy freak athlete. One you know? thing, but I'm one... rooting for I'm rooting for Tony. I like Tony. I like Tony's style. I like determination. I like man. his attitude. He's a tense planet guy. You know, I'm, I'm all I'm all for Tony. So. Dude, did you see him in Mexico City smashing Dos Anjos with those calf kicks? Talking about seven thousand feet, five rounds. He was pushing all five rounds. That's insane. Listen, listen. He's a cardio freak of nature. That that's what's going to be Connor. Is the cardio? Yeah. Because that's Connor's issue, and he's going to have to try to figure out what the hell he's doing to gas that way. I think it's human nature. I think it's human nature because I would hit that same wall. Once you get to a certain point, you just you stumble and then you just kind of gut through it. There are ways around that. (laughs) <laughs> but they're not legal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, EPO and all that stuff. I know. Yeah, mean. yeah. So, so. I, I think, think he needs to go to Denver or Albuquerque or something. But I've been told by the the professor that I had on the other night from Long Beach State is like, he's like, I don't think you guys really understand about altitude training. And I'm I could argue back to him. Well, look, they put the Olympic Training Center at over seven thousand feet in Colorado Springs, so they must have done that for a reason. I don't know. Um. So. You know what, man? I honestly feel that some people are just made to be able to have crazy cardio, and some people not. Because I tell you what, when I was younger, I, I ran cross country, and believe me, I did everything I could. I tried my very, very best, and I worked as hard as I possibly could. And I, I still sucked. Some people are just made to run. Yeah. And some people are just not. I think some people are just made to be able to go in, in, into these later rounds. And I think some people. Know. I I feel that what I've learned since I've stopped fighting um, is understanding pacing. Um, you know, when I fought Gary, he fought at a certain pace. It was very manageable, but it's definitely a pace. Uh, when I spar my MMA rounds, I fight them at a pace. My pace is a lot higher than my students' pace, so they usually get their ass whooped. And if somebody can match my pace, and, and if somebody can match my pace, now we're focusing more on timing and, and, and being very precise with every entry, with every shot. So it's understanding conservation. It's understanding that you can't go, you know, 100 miles an hour all the time. You just can't. You have to understand how to pace, how to control the pace of a fight. You must understand the proper control of how to dictate the pace of a fight incredibly important and, and it's tough to learn it's very very tough to learn how to do that but that's how these guys are able to do that because i mean these guys are uh, well jo- i understand what you mean like joanna's one exhausted 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Joanna's one that can go five rounds, and she trains at sea level, and she's firing away in the fifth round like she is in the yeah, first but, round. Yeah, but, 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 but what's her output? Well, what's her I, output? She's not grappling. True. She's doing a standing near boxing. It's five five minute rounds of stand up with an occasional sprawl. Yeah. So yeah, she can control pace. Yeah, I can. Most people. That that do MMA if you fight like that, but the problem is, is that when you can't you can't hang with the person standing when you're trying to take them down, and they're either a defending every shot you have, or b they're pressuring you and they're they're starting to pressure you in a way where you while they're hitting you you can't get them down. Mm-hmm. So those are the problems, and then people aren't confident enough to just grab them pull guard because they they, they can't defend themselves off their back. Right. So, if, they, if they're able to just grab somebody, pull guard, and start working off their guard, you know, doing, you know, but people back away. So yeah, like Brian Ortega. Yeah, Brian is really, really good, too. Yeah. Brian's a Gracie Academy guy. After, I've known Brian Ortega since he was probably about 12 years old. And and I'm so happy that he's doing so well. Um, and and uh, he's good, man. He's good. He understands punch defense. He understands it. He's still missing subtleties, but he has a pretty decent understanding. He trains the heat on him. Yeah. So he has a pretty pretty good understanding of, of, of that stuff, managing distance, filling space, you know, which I got some of it from them. But then I just added it to, you know, what I got from the Gracie Academy and on Hannah from from what they teach in punch defense. And then I added everything else I was doing on top of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, this makes complete sense now. You know, it just kind of was like two things clicking together. It was very cool. Yeah, I gotta have my wife buy me like a private lesson from you for Christmas or something. <laughs> so that should be my Christmas present this year. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. Let me, let me, let me figure out what I'm gonna teach first, and then, and then we'll figure that out later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, okay, I have uh, three words for you, and I'd like to get your reaction to this, Jonathan Dwight Jones. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. John Jones. Oh, John Jones. (laughs) What's your reaction? Well, well, his B sample came up positive or negative, right? So he's cleared. No. No. What it is the 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 misnomer, the fake news stuff that was put out the other day was that his blood test came back negative, which is fine because the test for. that uh, the test for this particular steroid, Terinobol, is a urine test that they caught him with. So that makes no difference that his blood test came back clean. It's the urine <laughs> test that came back positive. But it was nice try on the part of Brandon Gibson and his doctor and everybody else. Yeah, I, I mean, look, look, dude, I mean, I don't get it. I, you know, I, I can't relate with John Jones. I, I really can't. I mean... <laughs> That guy needs like a babysitter. Somebody who just holds his hand, and takes him from place to place, make sure he eats all his meals, make sure he's in bed by a certain time. I mean, like seriously, like make sure he that the supplements he's taking, that somebody else is taking, doing it for him. I mean, it's literally we're to that point with him. We're literally to that point. So, I mean, a fun, I mean, the guy's the best fighter in the world, and he's having a hard time fighting. That's what I was going to ask you. Is he the most talented fighter you've ever seen? Most talented guy. Yeah, he's he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. And so, you know, Demetrius Johnson's unbelievable in a different way, you know, because I, I love DJ too. But, I mean, John is just a special, a special dude. In more than one way, apparently, you know what I mean? So, it is what it is. It is what it is. He's so long. I'm not he's so the big, tall. I'm not, he presents. I'm not the biggest... You know, I'm not the biggest John Jones fan. I'm yeah. not the biggest Ronda Rousey fan. No. 
So, um, especially with, 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 you know, with, with certain people were saying about personal friends of mine. So mm-hmm. I wasn't down with it. Yeah. Certain I, people I'm not, I'm not real big fans of, but not too many. Most fighters I, I, I genuinely, genuinely like, but there's a handful that I think are uh, not so nice. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of his, but just and just to you know analyze him is just unbelievable when you look at the the talent that he has and and he works hard. No, I mean I'm not trying to say that he doesn't sure he work does. hard. He's an incredible sure athlete who's worked hard on his wrestling and his striking. His boxing is way better than it was against Gustafson. So um, whoever, if he comes back, and I predict he will come back even if he's on a two-year layoff he's still only going to be 32 four years huh four years it's supposed to be a four-year thing i think isn't he out for four years it could be two to four years if they find him uh negligent or of the steroid because last time what they did is they said that he didn't knowingly do it but he was careless i guess was uh paraphrasing what they said it was it was careless and so they gave him a one year. So this could be a two to four year, I think, like you're saying, a max of four. But even even if it is, if the guy's 30, I mean, he's only going to be 32. What, the UFC's not going to cut him and let him just go to another promotion. They're going to say, yeah, go do grappling tournaments or whatever, you know, or go box or whatever. You know, I mean, he could, if he gets licensed to box, he could be under the Ali Act like Connor was, and the UFC basically would have to go to court to stop him from boxing. So he's got some avenues to make money if he's suspended, you know, but then again, you know, uh, the boxing, I don't know how that would work if you tested positive, if they'll let you box. So I don't know. He may just have grappling tournaments and seminars and stuff like that. So, um, Amanda Nunes, um, I wanted to hit up this topic for you real quick. She snapped back at those that think that she was afraid of Valentina. Um, I personally just, DJ, I didn't believe that it was her sinuses, and I have a reason why. Okay, all right, got you. Um, do you, uh, what did you think about Amanda Nunes? Did you have any opinion on that, her pullout, and now her comeback, because she's going to fight next weekend? Next Saturday. Uh, I didn't get the full story of why she pulled out sinus related, but then they came back with a story that mm-hmm. it was a lot worse than was kind of put out there. And look, dude, I don't know, man. People are punching each other in the face for for for, for money. You want to at least feel decent when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. At least going in or as decent as you can feel. But when you're the headliner of a card and you pull out the night before, it's not good. You have an extra <laughs> responsibility to not do that. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I think that Shevchenko chick is, is tough as nails. I think it's going to be a good fight. Um, I'm actually favoring her uh, just a little bit mm-hmm. because I, I think that um, I think in in the fourth and fifth rounds, I think she can turn it up on on Amanda. And and, and I've heard that Amanda gasses a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, we'll see how she paces herself. I think Amanda pacing herself. If she tries to come out too aggressive, she's going to gas herself out. You know. And I kind of, you know, the way she's been fighting recently, she's been coming out fairly aggressive. Oh, she's firing, man. She yeah. is fire. The way that Connor was firing at Nate in that first fight, that looks like Amanda. You know, just yeah. throwing, mm-hmm. putting everything into every punch. So, all right, um, we're gonna wrap it up and let you go. I want to thank you so much for all the time uh, that you've given us tonight, Javi. Um, I'm really happy about uh, that you've sort of found a way forward because. I think the first 
that I heard from you on air with somebody. I don't know if, if it was our. I don't know. I don't think it was on the uh, the Havithon that they had on SureDog, which was amazing. The 24-hour uh, uh, radiothon for Javier Vasquez that uh, our friend thanks, TJ thanks. had. Yeah, um, thanks to TJ for that. Oh, TJ is amazing. The Godfather of MMA radio. Um, yeah, right. He's. he's He's the best. He's the one that um, was a huge inspiration for me to do my first podcast back in like 2010. So, yeah, he's great. Um, so, Hav, I, 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 I'm happy about this that you found a way forward through diet and food that's going to enable your body to basically, if I understand it correctly, is going to put it into position to detoxify and allow your body to fight off the cancer. Exactly. So, I mean, right now, I. Uh, I don't have it. It got cut out, but the fear that it's going to return because it, it, it you know, it was, it was in state, it was, it was like in stage three. So I'm going to, I'm very confident that I'm going to be okay. Um, and we will see, <laughs> we will see. I mean, I'm going to document the whole thing and I'm going to try to try to get a, a movie together, a documentary um, on this guide on my recovery. That's the plan. Um, so um, this is going to be a two-year thing. So maybe within the next two to three years, I'll, I'll be able to release uh, some sort of a documentary on on this process and, and give back to the, the people who gave me. And and and, and um, hopefully everything turns out well. And um, I'll expose people to to an alternative to to the standard medicine that's going out there that's killing people and destroying people's bodies. So hopefully everything works out, and and I'll be able to. Uh, you know, the the community is what has allowed me to be able to make the choices I've I've been able to make, and and for I'll be forever grateful to the jujitsu community for that. This is GoFundMe.com forward slash prof, as in Professor hyphen Javier hyphen Vasquez hyphen Cancer hyphen Relief. So basically, uh, but if you just Google um, GoFundMe Javier Vasquez, that link will pop up that I just. Uh, alliterated for you guys um and you can donate uh more and uh certainly we're going to donate more a lot of people are uh to make sure that javi has what he needs to uh continue the fight javi i can't thank you enough for coming on such a smallish meathead podcast uh a number of times now um i'm honored that uh that that you would come on with me and uh i hope to talk to you soon i hope to see you at a seminar here and obviously uh uh, if you're in the SoCal area for whatever reason, bring your juicer machine. Our home is your home. Okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you so much to everybody who's helped me. Um, I have to thank God for everything He's given me and 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 how He has saved my life and um, and and given me the vision to to move forward. Um, I want to thank my sister, who's who's been my basically my caretaker, my mom for all her love and support. Like my family is really. Um, surrounded me during this tough time and, and they've made it possible. I have many, many students, Joey and, um, and, and, and other guys from the academy, um, Joey Lopez and other guys from the academy who have helped me along the way. Um, I mean, just, I mean, the amount of things that these people have done for me, Dr. Mike and Chris, Chris and, um, and all the people that, that have helped me um, and tried to make my life the best it possibly could. It's been uh, it's the support that I've received from friends and family in the jiu-jitsu community. Like I said, it's, it's just been unbelievable. Unbelievable. 
Yep, and it's a statement about what you've given to other people and your passion for jiu-jitsu that infects us. Like, you, I get done talking to you, I'm like, oh, where's a mat? Like, I want to roll right now. So, <laughs> uh, you know, that's just how you are. Um, you learn not to argue with your mom about the swinging door and the furniture, right? No, no, no. So, so I just talked to my sister about it. Listen, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change okay. it. I'm going to change it. The timing hasn't been good. I got to kind of let her forget about it. <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you gonna I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to put a, I'm going to do a Facebook video. Like I'm going to, I'm either going to go over there early for something and change it before, or I'm just going to go at night, just a random night. And yeah. Just go over there and change it. And, uh, and just, we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Please document, please have a, a film crew there so that we can document this for Facebook. Okay. Oh my God. Oh my God, dude! Dude, when I saw that thing, I'm like, Mom, all you got to do is go, no, I'm like, <laughs> Mom. Like it's obvious that this is a problem. Like, help me out. He's like, no. I'm like, yeah. so that's <laughs> Leave it like, alone. You, you gotta let me film this. You gotta let me film this. And she's just like, whatever. So, and so she thought it was like she didn't know it was live when I was there. I'm like, Mom, I'm gonna do it live, and she didn't understand what that meant. So I did it, and then I posted it, and then she's like, oh, my God, because she saw her sister logged on. She goes, are you live right now? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so she lives near you, your mom. She lives right close by? No. No. Like a half an hour, dude. Like a half an hour away. But, okay. Man, I never prank my mom. I've lo I love my mom. Like, I never, ever mess with her. Like, my sister's like, how do you get along with mom so good? Mom drives me crazy sometimes, my sister says, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I just, I've never, she's never really... She never really bothered me, you know what I mean. But, but that kind of bugged me a little bit with the chairs. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do something. And so we we can diagnose. Uh, the, I mean, I'm not a psychologist. We can get Brent back on air, but obsessive compulsive disorder, Professor Javier yeah. Vasquez. So. Yeah, people people that know me know my my OCD is very high. It's a very we, high level. We know now. We know now, brother. All right, <laughs> Javier. Once again, I I don't want to keep you from your kids anymore. Tell them that uh, DJ says thank you very much, and um, I I greatly appreciate you. I hope to talk to you again soon. All right, I'll talk to you soon, DJ. All right, brother. Take care. Bye bye. That's Professor Javier Vasquez. Uh, Gracie Rancho Cucamonga. Obviously, he's having issues between uh, himself and Rose. It's going to be some legal issues that he has to get through in order to reopen the doors or to open in another location. I don't know if he'll have to have another name. Um, you know, I'm sure he's talking with a lawyer. But the thing is, guys, is that uh, when you have a, a professor of his caliber, and what he brings, the guy is, you don't get to be where he's at without a certain amount of passion and dogged determination. Yes, it helps that he was a WEC fighter. Yes, it helps that he was um, a UFC fighter. You know, he competed in IBJJF and Abu Dhabi and, and EBI and everything else. Um, but his passion to make a system, like he said, to take what he learned from Henner and Huron and to develop his own additional techniques and expand out on it is what jiu-jitsu is all about. I mean, that's what it's all, it's about innovating. Yes, there's some very simple things that keep working over and over, but for uh, fighting without the gi and self-defense and things like that, um, what he's doing is 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 
very, very significant. And I would love to train under the guy. I would also like to try the strike-based jiu-jitsu. I realize my face probably get a little beat up doing that, but uh, that's all right. Uh, I'm not that good looking anyway. Um, so we really appreciate him being on. We want to thank you guys. Um, we'll try to get on Miss... Uh, actually, tomorrow night, we're expecting to have uh, Brent Littell. If you want to hear jiu-jitsu stories, basically... Um, you know, a lot of the behind the scenes historical things that went down in the early days at Eddie Bravo's Academy and other academies that Brent has been part of. He is a wealth of knowledge about jiu-jitsu here in Southern California. And it's weird because although there is a rivalry about jiu-jitsu academies here, there's also a brotherhood. And when I see or meet or talk to somebody who's another jiu-jitsu guy at, at my job where I work with the public, um, they're, you know, they're always is like a handshake or a nod or a smile because we're all part of it. And I'm, you know, me, like I said, you know, scrub blue belt. I'm, I'm really happy myself to, to, uh, be a, a, a very, very minute, uh, part of it, but I'm part of it, you know, and, and so talking to somebody like Brent, you know, opens up a wealth of historical knowledge that I just don't have, you know, there's just so much that I don't know that's happened to develop the scene that we have here, which is arguably the best in the world. Uh, a lot of the great jiu-jitsu guys from Brazil are here, um, evidenced by my professor Felipe Della Monica and many, many, many more from the Mendez brothers, to Galvao, to Bouchesha, and Tusa even has an academy here and, and many more. So so thank you for tuning in. I think we're going to try to dial up Brent tomorrow. And uh, I want to thank you all for joining us uh, tonight. I'm sorry that there hasn't been a ton of content. Um, I guess I was sort of, you know, uh, wanting to, to get the right, things on, you know, and I wanted to get, I want to get, uh, Claudia Gadelia. I've been, uh, I got to effort her a little more before she leaves for Japan. We've actually talked quite a bit, but I haven't had her on. I wanted to have on Javi because I so admire this gentleman. Um, and, um, he's just an inspiration because, you know, we all want to be great at jujitsu. Some of us, you know, many of us will never be as great as him, but it's the dedication of people like him that inspire us because sometimes you you know you you are inspired by people that are that are uh, other folks you know obviously i have the desire to push myself to go to training um but it helps to inspire me mentally when i think about guys like that and what's possible and you know, shoot, I'm only 50 years old. There's still a lot of journey left uh, to go uh, to, to learn more and become better and maybe eventually do get really good at punch defense on the ground like Javier is. So, all right, guys, uh, once again, thank you for um, for joining us on MMA BJJ and Life. On Twitter, it is at MMA underscore BJJ and Life. And uh, we should be back tomorrow night, and um, we're going to continue to bring you great episodes from all the genres, from MMA, from Jiu-Jitsu. We're going to bring you predictions and commentary. 
on all of that, and we're also going to bring you some life episodes that will have nothing to do with MMA or Jiu-Jitsu, maybe based in yoga or something totally different, and I'm, and I'm totally cool with that. Um, so thank you very much, and uh, as always, as I travel through the world, I'm always wondering what's up around the bend. Here is a man asking a question Is this really the end of the world? Seagull, you must have known for a long time The shape of things to come Now you fly through the sky Never asking Oh, no, no, no.